Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the Permission Granted Podcast, the show about the show, the show within the show. This is actually Connor Green filling in as the guest host of the PGP today. DA was actually nice enough to let me fill in. And joining me right off the top is the king of the DA show himself. D.A., how you doing today? I'm doing well, Connor. Congratulations on the September call-up, as we were saying. You know, me and Mraz have talked about who we want to see get some at-bats in 2020. Your name keeps coming up. You know, you've got a good respect around the locker room. I think the coaches see something in you. So he said, you know, on a holiday week, with both me and Mraz out, you know, why don't we why don't we see how the diaper aliens do? So you're stepping into the role today. I'm very excited for you. Let me ask her, is there any, any pregame nerves? Uh, a little bit. I have to be honest with you, a little bit. I want to make sure everything goes smoothly. I want to make sure when I get my at-bats that I'm not swinging at bad pitches. So there is a little bit of nervousness to it, but I think I think I should be good to go. I think you are, too. I think you're a natural. We know that you have the education background. We know you have the degree that matters from Syracuse University. <laughs> yeah. school. So we, we trust we trust your background and your training. little reminder for everybody is that they can download this podcast. All places podcasts are available. That includes Stitcher, Spotify, Radio.com, Apple Podcasts, and all the like. So you'll be talking to Mraz here in a little bit. And uh, I'm guessing when you talk to Mraz, it's going to be mainly about him being a new dad, right? I think that's basically what the main topic will be because I don't know how that's going. I don't know how Mraz is handling that. I know that when his wife was actually in labor, believe it or not, he was tweeting about the football games on Saturday. So I don't quite know (laughs) if he's mentally and emotionally prepared to actually be a father. We'll have to find out. But the fact that he was tweeting during the birth of his daughter makes me a little bit worried about the whole situation. Yeah, the whole thing is very worrisome. I mean, let's face it, from the moment we found out that Danielle was pregnant, the whole thing seemed like it could go horribly awry from a random standpoint. I will say that, you know, one of your famous tracks Tuesdays is that when your Wi-Fi went down, you didn't know what to do with yourself. When your Wi-Fi went down, it was like a, a midlife crisis for you. And you're <laughs> yeah. Twenty. I can only imagine the panic that you feel with the idea that you'd have to take care of another human being. I honestly have thought about this a lot. For some reason, while I'm uh, trying to sleep at night, I think about the idea of me possibly being a father one day. And that is, honest to God, one of the most frightening things ever. Because you start to think about the second that you actually have the baby, your entire life as you know it is completely gone. And for somebody like myself who's young or somebody like Mraz who's, you know, not exactly the guy you would see as the prototypical father— that would, you would yeah. think, make somebody really worried and really nervous. 
But honestly, I don't think Baraz has really thought about that much at all. I think he's one of those guys that just kind of goes about his business and does what he has to do. So I don't think Moraz is sitting there at all thinking about being nervous or being worried about having uh, a child that has now entered this world. Yeah, I think that's a good observation. I think that Moraz uses sports to distract himself from everything, <laughs> whether that's the job at hand, whether that's his family, certainly responsibilities at home. So I think I, I, I can only see Moraz getting more and more in-depth in sports because he just basically can't handle it real life. No, I was wondering... What do you think he would do if his daughter, and say he has a son later on in life, what do you think he would do if his kids became, like, say, Cowboys and Red Sox fans? Or maybe, like, Patriots and Red Sox fans, teams that he absolutely hates. Do you think he'd be able to handle that? No, I do not. I think that in his mind, he won't allow it. I think in his mind, he was raised in a household where you didn't get to decide your team. Whatever his dad's teams were, he got, and the whole family fell into order there, which is the way that it usually is. But let's just say that, for argument's sake, Taylor is a little bit of a rebel, or, you know, his next child's a little bit of a rebel. Right. They decide to root against dad's teams. Oh, this, I, don't, I don't think, honestly, there's a way that emotionally he could cope. I think, you know, well, he probably would eat a lot to cope with that, but <laughs> we've already seen his coping mechanisms be really terrible, that would put him over the edge. And you know that's really like his ultimate fate, right? After all these years of being a boastful Giants and Yankees fan and talking about how great the Yankees are and the Giants winning Super Bowls and beating the Patriots, that would be his ultimate fate in the end, is if his own kids wind up going to school one day, <laughs> being friends with some, some other kids that are maybe Patriots fans, they show him some old Tom Brady highlights, and all of a sudden he comes home with like a Patriots jersey on. That would really that would be Mraz's ultimate fate as a father is having kids that do not root for his teams. It's so true. He shoved it in everybody else's face that it would really be the greatest irony, and it would be karma coming back at him if like Taylor started dating a Patriots fan, <laughs> and then Taylor ended up becoming a Patriots fan. <laughs> and he had to, <laughs> to deal with the indignity of his family. <laughs> going against his the only thing in life that he truly really cares about because da that actually did happen in my family believe it or not my dad and i are both jets and yankees fans and then in 2003 and 2004 when the yankees and red sox are battling it out in the alcs back-to-back years in 2003 my sister was a big yankees fan rooted with us and then in 2004 all of a sudden we started to notice like she wasn't rooting as hard for the Yankees. She started to seem to take an interest in Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz. And then all of a sudden, in like game six of that series, she's wearing a Red Sox hat and a Red Sox shirt. Yeah. Oh, no. She flipped in the middle of the series? She flipped in the middle of the series. A complete (laughs) betrayal to everybody. We couldn't believe it. And it was just an absolute shock to everyone because she was acting for a while like she was a big Yankee fan. And to flip that quickly to the Red Sox, nearly, honestly, almost tore our whole family apart. I can see how that could happen. I mean, that's the stuff of, like, wrestling villains. That's, <laughs> that's a heel turn of the highest heel turn by your sister. Did she ever go back to be the Yankee fan, or she just stayed with the Red Sox? She just stayed with the Red Sox forever. She's still, to this day, a Red Sox oh fan. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is, that is, and, and what does your dad say about 
about that. He's got to feel like he failed. He just shakes his head. He shakes his head in utter disappointment. And the worst part is she has that Red Sox hat. And for whatever reason, my mom will, like, pick it up. And it always ends up in my closet. So I have all these Yankee hats, all these Yankees jerseys. And then out of nowhere, there's always one single Red Sox hat in there. And I think that's why the Yankees honestly haven't won a World Series since 2009. Oh, my goodness. So was your sister a natural rebel? Was she trying to stick it to your dad? A little bit, a little bit. But I think she honestly just liked the whole Red Sox thing back in 2003, 2004, because they had like that kind of, you know, they, they were a tougher team. They had beards. The Yankees were like the polished team that everybody thought would win. The Red Sox were the underdogs. And so maybe she was trying to rebel, but I think for whatever reason, she just liked that team a lot. And yeah, she just decided to root for the Red Sox. Well, I will say that out of all of the Boston championships in the last 20 years, we know how sick and tired I am of all of them. I will say the two most likable teams that if you were not a Bostonian were easy to root for, the 01 Patriots and the 04 Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Those two teams just naturally had an amazing character about it. I mean, in 01, the Patriots obviously go in the Cinderella run. After 9-11, they're called the Patriots. They're red, white, and blue. They're taking on the greatest show on turf. They're two touchdown underdogs. They come out to win that game, led by young Tom Brady. I was actually rooting for the Patriots. People don't probably believe this, but I was rooting for the Pats in that Super Bowl. And in 04, I absolutely was rooting both 03 and 04 for them to knock off the Yankees, because as a Mets fan, the Yankees were the evil empire. Mm -hmm. The Yankees those days were going to the World Series every year. I mean, they were coming off the dynasty of the 90s, and the Red Sox hadn't won in 85 and 86 years. When the Red Sox lost in Game 7 of the 03 World Series, the Tim Wakefield, Aaron Fleet, Boom game, you know, I was like, oh, my God, they'll never do it. This is it. This is the end. They'll never do it. And then 04 to be down 3-0 and to pull off the comeback, I think a lot of people really were Red Sox fans back then, but... You know, at this point in time, it's impossible to root for anybody from Boston because they just win too many damn championships. But kind of interesting to hear that your sister has a natural rebellious streak in her. And she just, I mean, the idea that she would, you know, it's one thing to be rebellious. It's one thing to try to find something to do or to rebel. It's another thing entirely to decide to root for the Red Sox, especially when I was, <laughs> I believe, 10 years old when they lost in 2004 in the ALCS. And I cried. I legitimately cried when they lost that series. And I rooted so hard for the Cardinals then to beat the Red Sox. And when the Red Sox beat them in four games, I cried again. Meanwhile, my sister's cheering and celebrating with Red Sox hats and Red Sox jerseys on. That is enough to rip apart a family. I am very surprised that the Greens actually still get together for the holidays. That sounds like something that can truly tear the fabric of a family apart. It really is tough, DA. It really is tough. So Mraz, obviously, uh, he has the baby now. Do you think, do you think, and you know him better than anybody else, do you think he can handle this responsibility? Well, he's got one huge thing going for him, and that's Danielle. Danielle's the ultimate wife and the ultimate mom, and he gets to still be a kid because she is so amazing at being the responsible one and keeping them on track. And I think Danielle is going to end up just handling the bulk of the responsibility. So he's going to get off kind of lightly. I think, again, the one thing we know is that his coping mechanisms are really bad. And so if he has to stay up all hours of the night for his daughter, he's going to be miserable when he comes into work and blame everybody else for everything that happens. 
he's got to stay at home for some reason and he can't watch the football game. He can't watch, you know, a game that he wants to. can't go to do something that he wants to do. He's going to be angry and lash out at people and overeat, and it's just it's not going to be good. So while I think that I think that Danielle's going to take a lot of the responsibility off of his plate, and that's good, I still think the little that he has to do is going to break his soul on a regular basis. The one good thing is that he's definitely not going to be like a helicopter dad. He'll probably be more of a laid-back dad. A lot of uh, her friends will probably think he's the cool dad. So at least he's got that going for him. You know, he'll be the cool dad. You come over and you hang out. He's not yelling at anybody. He's just kind of hanging out watching the game. So at least that's a good thing from the kid's perspective. But we just have to hope somewhere along the line he does develop a little bit of maturity and that he's not screaming at the top of his lungs after every Giants game, even when she's growing up and maybe she needs to have her diaper changed and Mraz is too busy screaming about Pat Shermer. Hopefully he figures that stuff out. But I do think it is good that he won't be overly strict. Might actually be a good thing. Yeah, I can't see Mraz being a disciplinarian. He's too much of a pushover and everything else. <laughs> How can you be a disciplinarian when you don't have discipline in your own in your own life? So I think he's going to let her get away with the murder. I think that's going to be Daddy's little girl, and that Taylor could do no wrong, and that uh, it could, you know, it could lead to rebellion, as you mentioned. It could lead to her testing her boundaries. But uh, I think you're right. I think her friends or the guys that she dates, I think that uh, they're going to like Mraz as a dad because he's always just going to have, like, the crock pot going, tons of snacks, uh, always have the game on. And basically, I can't imagine him ever having a throwing a – he's going to throw a ton of parties. And I can't ever imagine him ever being, you know, kind of uptight or whatnot at the party. So probably let them do whatever they want. But you know, the more and more he does yell and scream about the Giants and the Yankees and all that, the more and more Taylor is going to be like, I'm so sick and tired of this. I'm not rooting for these teams. And that's why I do, in the end, legitimately believe that his kids will wind up as fans of the teams he hates. Will it scar her? That's the question. Will yeah. his anger about about the Giants, the Yankees, the Rangers, will it end up scarring her and pushing, pushing her the other way? I mean... We always love internal storylines on the DA show. Now we have a reason to stay tuned, our listeners do, for the next 18 years. (laughs) Well, all right, DA, I kept you on the line long enough. Thanks again so much for jumping on with me, and thank you again so much for allowing me to actually host the PGP. It really is a cool opportunity. Well, I'm glad that you feel that way. This is good. I get to defer work to somebody and thank you for it. That's pretty good. You're doing a great job, buddy. I can't wait to to have you on the show more in 2020. And uh, have a happy, Merry Christmas to the holidays. Happy holidays, man, and we'll talk to you after the break. Absolutely, DA. Merry Christmas to you, too. Welcome to Side B of the PGP. This is Connor Green again, guest hosting uh, on the PGP. And we're joined now by the new father himself, Sean Mraz. He's on the phone. He just hosted a long show but he's a new father. And Mraz, I have to ask you, how are you handling your first few days as a father? (laughs) Well, let me just ask you before I answer that question. Now, not only do I feel like a first father, I feel like a grandfather because you're (laughs) hosting my baby, which is side B of the PGP, which means I'm kind of like a grandpa now to you. 
Yeah, you have like a, you have a child and then a, a grandchild, and that's me. And I think I might come over today for uh, Christmas dinner and hang out. Maybe you can make me a nice meal. <laughs> I, I doubt it because at this point, it's bare bones. Christmas dinner might be peanut butter and jelly at the Mraz house. <laughs> as we're trying to get acquainted with a baby here. Christmas <laughs> basically it's just me, my wife, the baby, and the dog now just calling off, calling off everybody. <laughs> But are you well, handling um, it okay? Is is being a father what you thought it would be? Are you nervous at all for these new responsibilities? Actually, you know what's funny? I'm not nervous at all. Um, and I don't know what I thought being a father would be, but um, it's I hate to say this because it's not it's not easy, but it's kind of it's kind of easy in that like yeah, the, like last night we just had the baby home the first time ever at home, and the baby was up you know every two hours crying and stuff like that. Luckily, I have a rock star wife who would take care of a lot of it. But I was, you know, was waking up. I didn't really notice anyway that badly. But other than that, like, dude, it's really just feeding. It's changing diapers, which is right up my alley because I'm a disgusting human being myself anyway. Uh, and, you know, as long as you stick to that schedule, feed, burp, clean poop, <laughs> it's not that hard a job. It really isn't. See, now, I was talking about this when I had DA on before. Was there ever a point leading up to the birth that you were actually nervous about the situation? Because I feel like you're one of those kind of guys that's really easygoing. You're not bothered by a lot. So I wouldn't even see you at any point really being nervous about this happening. No, and I I guess there was some nervousness. I don't want to just completely stupid. There was just some <laughs> nervousness, but not like anything I was panicked about. It was more just, uh, you know, am I going to be able to having a baby in a couple of years like that if there was any nervousness it would be that but as far as the actual like duties of fatherhood i i say this and i say this completely seriously out of all of uh, you know my group of friends back at home two of the biggest idiots i know on earth happen to have kids already <laughs> and be great fathers and i i say this and i truly mean it if those two have figured this out i knew i was going to be just a-okay i really did and i and to this point I'm I'm attached to this time. My daughter is like stuck on my arm for the last three days. Will not leave. You know, if I hold her, she stops crying immediately. Uh, I am obsessed. Like my life has completely changed for the better. Now, one thing though that I can't understand is I noticed on Saturday you're tweeting about the football games, and I was like, isn't Mraz like isn't his wife getting ready to like have a baby? And then you actually did tweet, my wife's in labor. So you you have fully admitted. To the fact that your wife was in labor and you were sitting there tweeting about the Giants or rather the Patriots and the Bills and the 49ers and the and the uh, Rams. So I don't yeah. understand. Was your wife okay with the fact that you were tweeting? I understand this is part of your job. You got to get those hot takes out there on Twitter. But was your wife okay with the fact that she's sitting there trying to have the baby and you're tweeting about the football games? Well, I'll paint a little picture to you, Connor, and this is something that would only happen to me and basically gets right out of the Mraz playbook, if you will. All right? Her, no exaggeration. Friday night, we walked around the mall Christmas time. I wanted to get, like, a bracelet, actually, to, like, give to my wife as, like, a push present, they call it, or whatever. And I took her to pick it out and everything like that. And we, we had Cheesecake Factory for dinner. So we woke up on Saturday morning, and she was telling me she had stomach pain. She thought maybe her pasta was a little spicy. And, like, I, I don't mean to be... So picturesque, but I'll just tell you, flat out, 6 a.m., her water breaks. Like, I'm talking, like, water all over, fluid all over my bedroom floor. <laughs> so we know it's go time, Connor. I'm like, wow, okay, so, like, now we're having the baby today. So, yeah, it was no Cheesecake Factory stomach problems. Like, baby was coming. We go to, and we had, like, an emergency escape plan to get to the hospital. We go to get to the hospital. I legitimately, 
remembered my laptop and charger knowing this could be a long day so I could get the NFL network on with the Wi-Fi in the hospital and forgot my wife's overnight bag, which is like the main thing you've got to grab. <laughs> so I knew in a pinch when the water broke that I had to make sure I watched all the football games and actually forgot the main thing I needed, which was my wife's overnight bag. So you were so, so thing- ready to tweet and so ready to watch these games that you overlooked the fact that you needed to help your wife out with the, uh, with the birth. 100%. I knew it was about to be a Saturday triple header. And I will say this, one thing they also don't prepare you for. I knew I knew basically that I was going to be in the hospital for a while Saturday. I did not know what time the baby was going to come. My wife ended up being in labor for 17 hours. Now, I figured once the water break broke, it would be some point in the afternoon. It was not. I figured I'd at worst get Bucks Texans in, and this baby was getting born during the pads and, and Bill. It ended up going at 1 a.m. Eastern. But that being said, uh, you would be surprised until the actual final pushing of the birth how little is going on in labor? It's basically just in pain, and they keep giving her medicine to try to, you know, whatever, have things open up a little more. But outside of that, dude, it's it's your wife or girlfriend or fiance, whoever laying there, basically doing nothing but just in pain. And you were in a work, they give you like a recliner seat for the man, and you're just sitting there and you have nothing to do but watch TV. So, yeah, well, I was tweeting. She's not, she doesn't have Twitter. She wasn't aware I was tweeting. There was nothing else I could do. It's not like I could break down the Bills' offensive struggles in that game with her. She's sitting there wincing in pain. So I was just tweeting and watching the games. Like, there was nothing going on. And I, and I would say this, that of all the Saturdays for her to be in labor, it was nothing better than a Saturday triple header where, uh, you know, she's doing nothing. I'm sitting there, and it passed the time. I watched 12 hours of football, and it helped me lead to uh, the baby being born. And was she giving you the evil eye when you were tweeting? Were you sneaking no, no, away, no, no. or was she totally cool with it? No, the only time I got evil eye, because they don't tell you this either, you can't eat or drink anything when you're in labor, because if they need to go to, like, an emergency C-section, they don't want having, like, food or drink in your stomach. So, basically, my main job there, as you pop off the bench to help your wife during labor, is... When she wants ice chips, you go get her ice chips. So any time that she wanted ice chips, she wouldn't know this, but I would time it out end of quarter. We got a two-minute warning here, and I would walk down the hall and get her ice chips. The only time she would get mad is halftime of Texans Bucks, halftime of, of Pat's Bills, I would head down to the hospital cafeteria and go enjoy a little, uh, little lunch and a little dinner because I had to eat. There was no way I was missing a meal. <laughs> While she was in labor. So I took care of business that way. That was the only time she got made. She'd be like, are you really leaving again? I said, look, I'm starving. And then I got yelled at that she was starving. Not my problem. I'm not getting the C-section potentially. Now in the end, she didn't need a C-section. She probably could have ate. But yeah, man, I had to eat. Well, you're actually teaching me a lot about childbirth here. So at least when I know well, I, when it happens to me, I actually have an idea now of what I have to do. And I have an idea that it's okay to maybe send a few tweets out, get a few hot takes out. And it's not really a huge deal. Connor, it's serious. I know it sounds crazy, and I know it's right up my playbook. It's not like, and the one thing that they don't prepare you for. And again, everybody's different. Like, you know, if you meet that future woman, you have a baby. That water could break. That baby could be out two hours later. But for the most part, outside of like when you get to those final twenty minutes to a half an hour of like, hey, push, breathe, that, this, that, the other thing, there is not a lot going on from the man's perspective. Like, not a lot. I mean, and, and the idea that you're not watching the games or like, what else are you supposed to do? Like, I can't hold her hand for 17 hours and say, how do you feel? And she's going to get yelled at. And she told me there was going to be no comedy routine for me. She was going to be in pain. She said, don't crack any jokes. So, you know what? For her, the idea that I kept my mouth shut and I watched football for 12 hours was a win. So the tweeting was better than me standing over and making jokes to doctors. So now your daughter's born. Everything's pretty much smooth sailing. 
Uh, but what are you going to do now when in like 10 years or so, 15 years or so, when your daughter and maybe if you have a son, your son comes home one day and this will 100% happen because this is how the world works. What are you going to do when your kids come home one day and they have Red Sox or Cowboys jerseys on and they're Never rooting happen. against all of the teams that you love? What are you going to do? Never going to happen. And for those of you who say your kid has a choice, on I never had a choice for my dad had it in my blood that I was going to be a giant Yankees Nets Ranger fan. My kid has no choice. Also, she's named Taylor. She's named Elizabeth, the first three letters being E-L-I. Don't think that wasn't planned. <laughs> there is no chance she is going to be raised anything else. And also, I have a good support system. Outside of my sister's fiancé, who's a Jet fan, uh, everybody's, you know, Yankees, Giants, Rangers, Nets. Like, there is no- there is not a chance in the world my kids will be anything else, so I'm not worried about that moment, Connor. Well, it doesn't really matter what you want or what you think. What's going to happen is she might just decide that she likes those other teams no matter what you teach her. Nope. She might just feel that she loves the Patriots. She loves the Patriot way. She loves watching Tom rather, Brady highlights. No way. I would rather her come home with the Mike Tyson tattoo on her face <laughs> at 15 years old than dare come home with a Red Sox shirt on. Not happening in my house. It's not happening, no matter what. No matter what. And they don't have a choice. That's the one thing. My kid can have a choice in a lot of things in life. What do you want for dinner? Okay, we'll get what you want for dinner. What sports teams you're attached to? Not a chance in heck. Like if she comes home with a Red Sox jersey on, she's grounded. She's not going out. She's, she's... And, and she gets walked to the backyard, and we throw that jersey <laughs> in a big old canister, dump some gas on it. We light it on fire. We show her what happens when you make poor clothing, not choice. Now, what do you see yourself as a dad? Are you going to be a strict dad? Or are you the cool dad that all the friends like and they ha- they come over and they hang out? And, oh, you got the cool dad. Mraz is, like, the coolest. I think I'm going to be the cool dad, but I think there's got – I think being the cool dad comes with problems. There will be a stage in the age where I become the embarrassing dad. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Where, like, dad, stop embarrassing me. Where I'm maybe I'm too involved in my daughter's life. Too, you know, I'm going to the movies to sit with her on a date at 16 because I just really want to see the movie and it has something to do with wanting to be like a guardian. Um, so I think, I think I'm going to be the cool dad, but it might have its downsides where my kid ends up dating me at some point. All right, I'll wrap up with this here. All in all, take everything into consideration. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your level of confidence as a father right now? Um, my, I, I think I'm going to nail it as a dad. I really do. I think uh, as bad as I've been a producer on the DA show, you know, questionable guest booking, questionable typos on tweets. I think everything that's coming to question my actual career, I think I'm going to be, I'm going to nail it. I, I, th- I really am confident, man. I, I, I am approaching fatherhood the way Eli Manning approached Super Bowl 42. I'm unflappable. I think I'm going to be just fine. Um, my level as a husband? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, last night, basically first night, over, you know, I'm having my wife's taking care of the baby, making sure it eats every three hours, and I'm telling her I got to get up for work in the morning. <laughs> The, the husband part of this could end up being very shaky. I'm working on that. <laughs> the fatherhood part will be just fine. Well, all right, Mraz. I'm feeling confident, too. I, I really feel like you're coming into your own. I think you know what you're doing. I think, like Eli, you have a game plan. You go in. It might be a little bit shaky at first. You might take a couple of early sacks. But when it comes down to it, I think you might just make the helmet pass to Tyree. You might just pull it off, and you come down to it. You're much in the clutch. I think you might be able to, to figure this thing out. I, I appreciate it, uh, Connor. And by the end of all this, they'll be calling me the diaper genie. <laughs> well, all right, Mraz. Thank you again so much for joining me on my inaugural uh, hosting of the PGP. I really do appreciate it. Hey, Connor, you're-
you're playing your way into roles. At this point, you might be hosting Pete's and BGP. with this over me. I might have too many, uh, too many jobs as a dad now. But thanks, buddy. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.